Greetings and welcome to Illum Radio, a different kind of oldies program. I'm your host, John Lovering. During the golden age of radio, one thing that radio broadcasters is better than any other form of immediate mass media was to present anthology collections. Okay, so radio was the only form of immediate mass media at the time, but with the exception of the print media, they still produced the best anthology collections. Basically, they created repertory companies in live theater where the company would produce multiple plays in a broadcast season. This often kept audiences coming back for most, if not all, of the shows. The actors would share the roles, sometimes taking the lead or starring role, and sometimes the supporting roles. Radio was made for anthologies. Writers and sound effects technicians could create places and characters without sets or costumes. It was easier for actors as well. They only had to use their voices to develop a character. No costumes, makeup, facial expressions, blocking on the stage, just learning their cues. In fact, they could even read their lines. In the late 1940s and 50s, most of the radio production was being done on the West Coast because they could easily get Hollywood talent. But there were still many very talented actors in New York City, and that was where the networks had their corporate offices. The Radio City Playhouse, which was broadcast from NBC Studios in Rockefeller Square, was a latecomer to the anthology genre, but quickly caught on with the audiences as they did things their own way and did them very well. Most radio anthologies adapted stories from other sources like movies, literature, Broadway, and other stage plays, or they produced stories of a particular theme or genre, like a western, a mystery, sci-fi, suspense, and so forth. But Radio City Playhouse was willing to use a story from any source, as long as it was a good story. Stories could be any genre, and the half-hour shows could be drama, comedy, suspense, and everything in between. On this track, I have a Radio City Playhouse drama aired on November 8, 1948, starring Jan Minor. She plays the part of Ella Prentice, who is dominated by her cruel husband, Herbert. Now, in a turn of fate, while leaving a party, Herbert slips on some ice, and the fall leaves him paralyzed and unable to walk. But far from humbling him, it makes him even more of a bully. But for how long can Ella take it? The Radio City Playhouse production of The Promise. This is Heirloom Radio, a different kind of oldies program, and I thank you for the privilege of your time for listening to this classic old-time radio show. The National Broadcasting Company presents Radio City Playhouse, Attraction 14. play this evening is titled The Promise. It is both written and directed by Harry W. Junkin. Mr. Junkin. Thank you, Bob Warren, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is a great pleasure to welcome you to the second series of half-hour dramas under the Radio City Playhouse banner. The aim of the series is to bring you adult radio fare, plays in the best tradition of the theater, 
plays that are a little bit removed from the usual pattern of boy meets girl or detective catches crook. To be used on Radio City Playhouse, a script must be a good story expertly told. The author may be world famous or completely unknown. Reputation is incidental. We are concerned with ability to write. Now, the same general thinking influences our choice of performers. We don't demand a Hollywood or a Broadway reputation, but we try to insist on a top quality performance. In other words, we're interested in talent first and fame second, and we believe that you are too. We hope you'll come to regard Radio City Playhouse as one of the really exciting half hours in your radio week. We hope you'll tell us when we're good and wrap our knuckles if you ever think we've let you down. Here, then, is our first offering in the new series, Radio City Playhouse, Attraction 14, The Promise. Before a fireplace in one of the town's most beautiful rooms, Herbert Prentice is standing. He is in full evening dress and looks like what he is. A very calm, very strong, very big, and very handsome man. He looks up at the clock. Checks it with his wristwatch, then stares back into the flames. It is exactly eight o'clock. Hello. Don't tell me you're actually ready on time. Oh, yes, Herbert, I'm ready. I couldn't find my black gloves or I'd have been ready sooner. Oh. What is it? I promised Mary I'd tuck her in. You get your coat on and I'll meet you in the car. I won't be a minute. Come here, Ella. I won't be a minute. Come here, Ella. What is it, Herbert? Come here, Ella. Yes, Herbert. Ella, our daughter is eight years old. And even if she were in bed, which I doubt, she doesn't require tucking in, as you put it. Now, open your cloak. Herbert, I... Open your cloak, Ella. I know that you're not wearing the white dress, Herbert, Ella. please, I... Open your cloak, Ella. Thank you. Now, go upstairs and put on the white dress. Herbert, please, I don't like it. This one is much nicer. Do as I... I say, Ella. But I hate that dress. You bought it in Paris. You made me buy it in Paris. Herbert, please don't spoil tonight. I've, I've been looking forward to it so much. All week I've been looking forward to Ella, it. Ella, you know nothing about clothes. This is a very formal party. You're my wife, Ella, Mrs. Herbert Prentice. Doesn't that mean anything to you? But I don't like that white dress. It makes me feel so... So, so what? <laughs> Poor Ella. It is, Herbert. It, it's too low. It's much too low. I, I don't like it. It makes me feel awful. Ella, your bosom isn't that interesting. Nobody will look at you with lustful eye. Now, please, we'll be late. Go upstairs and put on the white dress. Herbert, if you insist on my wearing that dress, I'll... Yes? I'll have to stay home. Just as you wish, Ella. I told you yesterday that I wanted you to wear that dress. It's very obviously from Paris, and it's very obviously expensive. I wish you'd do as I say. 
However, if you won't, I'll tell Mrs. Crandall you've developed a sick headache. Good night, Ella. Ella! Yes? You can't be a little cooperative. You might at least be polite. I said good night. Good night, Herbie. I could only get to sleep. Why don't you stand up to him, Ella? Assert yourself. Why are you afraid of him? He wouldn't actually strike you. You don't really care about the party at Mrs. Crandall. You're afraid. And you're afraid of being afraid. You'd better go to sleep before he gets home from the party. Sleep. If I could only get to sleep. I'll try to think of nice things. Hello? Oh, why, Mrs. Crandall... I'm sorry I couldn't come to your party. I, I had a headache and I... What? Accident? Herbert? Well, is, is it serious, Mrs. Crandall? Hospital? Where? Yes, but what hospital? All right, I'll go over right away. Is he suffering very much? We've given him a sedative, Mrs. Prentice. There's nothing else we can do tonight. Doctor, I wish you'd be frank with me. Is he badly injured? Yes. Yes, I'm afraid he is. But he'll get well. I wish you'd tell me, Doctor. It's his back. Back? He was leaving the Crandalls and he slipped. When he fell, he struck his spine on the edge of the stone steps behind him. Oh. We're very lucky to save him at all. Very lucky. You don't mean... Dr. Southford, you don't mean that... Yes. Yes, I do. His back is broken? Yes, Mrs. Prentice, I'm afraid so. I'm afraid you're going to have to take care of him for a long time. Ella, you idiot, do as you're told. Why don't you stand up to him, Ella? He's a cripple. Why are you so afraid of him? For ten years you've been putting up with his abuse. His cursing, his bad temper. For ten years he hasn't moved out of that bed, yet you're still afraid of him. Why don't you stand up to him? I will. I will stand up to him. Tomorrow. Prentice speaking. Yes? Morris, I told you yesterday that... 
I don't want any excuses. Was it shipped? Now, listen, Morris. For ten years, I've been running the Prentice Steel Company better from my bed than you do from your desk. Now, either the Draper contract is shipped on time or I'll get a new general manager, understand? What? Listen, either get it out on time or you're fired. And in the future, wait until after 10 o'clock in the morning before you start bothering me with problems you should be able to solve yourself. Ella! Ella, I'm ready to shave now! What the devil is she doing? I brought you shaving water, Herbert. Did you have a good night? I had a terrible night. If only Dr. Southford could stop your suffering. I'm not suffering. I'm always conscious of it, and it's irritating, that's all. But I'm not suffering. Yes, Herbert. Yes, Herbert. No, Herbert. Can you manage, Herbert? Where's the soap? On the tray. Why don't you have a barber to come in and shave you, Herbert? It would be so I hate barbers. None too hot. I'm sorry. You're always sorry. Tonight I get tired of hearing you say you're sorry. I'm sorry, Herbert. Then I'll go someplace where I won't bother you. Why don't you stand up to him, Ella? Why do you take it? Why don't you assert yourself? I will. I will. I won't take it anymore. I will assert myself. Yes. Tomorrow, I'll walk right in and tell him. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, always tomorrow. Never tomorrow. Herbert, I, I wish you'd let Mary go to the dance tonight. Sit down, Ella. Well, Sit down on the bed beside me. There, that's it. Now, you were saying? Uh, it, it's a big college dance, Herbert. Frank Williams is after. He's on the football team. She has a new dress, and she looks so lovely. Looks I, so lovely? I mean, she would look so lovely if... Oh, Herbert. What do you mean, look... I, so lovely. Herbert, you're hurting my wrist. Lots of strength left in my arms, isn't there? Mary! Mary! Herbert, don't call her. She's gone, hasn't she? Yes. You deliberately told her to go, didn't you? Yes. After I had expressly said she couldn't. Yes. I see. I can't let you interfere with Mary. I just can't let you, Herbert. You can't what? I, I can't let you interfere with Mary. She's only 18, Herbert. She's not able to take up... me. What? Now get this straight, my dull little mouth of a wife. Nobody lets me do anything. Let me indeed. Because of your little flight of whimsy tonight, Ella, our very dull and uninteresting daughter can get out and hustle. Hustle? Work. Work? She can quit that fancy college and go to work. Oh, no, Herbert, you're not serious. You can take her out of college. You can't. Oh, can't I? By the very simple expedient of not writing a check. Why don't you stand up to him, Ella? Think of Mary, Ella. She's your daughter. Ella, why don't you... 
kill him. No. No, I can't. I can't. I just haven't got the nerve. <laughs> Nurse Bryce! <laughs> Nurse Bryce! Come back, Nurse Bryce! <laughs> You, Ella. Come in. Miss Bryce has left, Herbert. Oh, well, she'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> she slapped me. <laughs> slapped me hard. Wasn't anything too serious. I just felt affectionate. <laughs> slapped me hard. <laughs> Why don't you get mad at me, Ella? Every time I look at you, I wonder how I ever managed to marry you. You're so unendingly dull. Pour me a drink. What? A whiskey. Yes. Soda? Yes. Thank you, my lovely one. Why don't you get drunk sometime, Ella? It might do things for you. I don't like I it. I don't like it. What do you like, Ella? You don't read, you don't go out. What do you like, Ella? Herbert, did you get Mr. Crandall to fire Frank Williams? I didn't get him. I told him to. But why? Because he's a fresh kid with no guts and no brains, and he's not going to marry our daughter such as she is while I have strength enough to lift a telephone. And speaking of Morris Crandall, we'll take care of you, too. All I have to do is call him, and you know where you'll land? In a padded cell. It's all planned. All I have to do is lift that phone and call Morris Crandall. Herbert, don't do it. Leave them alone, Herbert. Please, please, Herbert. I wonder if you know how revolting I find you. I wonder if you know how... how I dream of the day you'll go someplace and quietly die. I've got a book here, Ella. Torture. It's history in the Far East. As well as some very clever ways of killing people, there's one torture in particular that appeals to me. They make a cat of nine tails out of fine wire, and they heat the wire white hot and whip off little flecks of flesh. Slowly. Very slowly. But why? Why do you hate me? I Get out of here, wet face. You monster. I could only walk. I could only get a hold of you. I could only get at you. But I've never done anything, never anything that you... No, never anything. I hate you because I hate myself for ever having anything to do with you. You're not a woman, you're a mouse. For ten years I've been in this bed, a cripple, helpless. For ten years I've listened to you. Yes, Herbert, no, Herbert. Pardon, Herbert. For ten years. Ten years. Now get out. Get out before I break this bottle over your dull little head. Don't stand there gawking. Get out. Get out. You can't stand it anymore, Ella. He tried to kill you tonight if that whiskey bottle had struck you. Kill him, Ella. You've planned it often enough. You know just how to do it. You read his books, Ella. The books on torture, on murder, you do know how, Ella, do it. 
You can do it, Ella. Yes. Yes, I can. Tonight, Ella. No. No, not tonight. You can't stand it any longer. He's after Mary and Frank now, so kill him. Kill him, Ella. Yes. Yes, I will. I will. I'll kill him tonight. Coco. You've made him Coco every night for ten years. You know just what to do, Ella. Do it. Take the bottle out of your pocket, Ella. That's it. Now unscrew the top. That's it. Now pour it into the cocoa. That's enough. Careful, you'll taste it if you use too much. Now stir it. Now take it into him. Take it into him now. Here's your cocoa, Herbert. Careful, don't spill it. Yeah. Stop shaking, Ella. There he goes. Drinking it. Drinking all of it. There. Did it taste all right? Yes, now go away. Well, I've done it. At last I've done it. I've seen quite enough of you for one day, Ella. Please go to bed. I drugged your cocoa, Herbert. You'll go to sleep very soon. Then when you're asleep, I do something else. What are you talking about? It, it's a sort of Mickey Finn, only in cocoa instead of liquor. And when you're asleep, you won't feel the needle. You stop this, Ella. I got it from one of your books, Herbert. Oh, yes, I do read once in a while. They're horrible, gruesome books, but I know just how to kill you now. Huh? I never thought I'd get up the nerve, but I have. I could never have thought of it, though, if it hadn't all been written out for me. Yes, Herbert, it's in all of your books. Have you suddenly gone off your head? No. But I'm going to kill you tonight. Huh? As soon as the drug puts you to sleep, it'll take about an hour to work. Then you'll fall into a very sound sleep. Then I'm going to kill you. Oh, you are, are you? Yes. You're very childish, Ella. I dialed our own number on the other extension, Herbert. Then I left the receiver off. The telephone won't do you any good tonight. You can't get Morris over here now. You might just as well hang up. I see. Are you afraid? No. You haven't the nerve. Strange, isn't it? You think I'm so timid. I am, really. But tonight I feel so strong. After you're very sound asleep, Herbert, I do just what I do when I give you a hypo. I stick the needle into a vein, and then, then I, I just pump. I just pump in air, Herbert, and that's all. You die. You're serious. You're actually serious. Yes, Herbert. I can't believe it. Not dull, mousy little Ella. Yes. 
Dull, mousy little Ella. Of course you'd be caught. No. There'd be an autopsy. No. You've been sick for ten years. Lately, your heart's been bad anyway. Dr. Southford won't be surprised. He warned me a year ago when you had your last bad attack that you might be taken. That's what he said. Taken at any time. He won't order an autopsy. He won't even be surprised. Wait. They'll find the mark of the needle. No. Your arm is covered with needle marks. You've been taking hypos for years. Besides, it's so hairy like an animal. They'll never notice the needle marks. I've given you so many hypos, Herbert, that I'm, I'm quite an expert. I, I never make your arm bleed. I won't this time. Well, so the worm has turned, eh? Don't you wish you really had the nerve? You know that you haven't, don't you? You haven't the nerve. Haven't I? No. Can't you see it in my eyes? What? Hate. Yes, hate. Oh, Herbert, you've no idea. You'll probably have a big funeral, and I'll be there weeping. I'll watch them close your coffin, and I'll be crying softly. But, oh, Herbert, inside, inside, I'll be laughing. I'll be shouting, he's dead, he's dead. I'll be glad, Herbert, I'll be so glad I won't be able to bear it. Hate. Oh, Herbert, you've no idea. When you were well, you you kissed me like a savage. You bruised my arms when you made love. Never once, never once have you been tender. Never once. I've always been afraid of you. Afraid of, afraid of your temper, your brutality. Afraid of the fights and the rows. The scenes throwing things. And you know, Herbert, I've never mentioned it. I've never talked about it to friends. Never to anybody. It was pride, I guess. I didn't want them to know that I had married a fiend. Oh, I hate you, Herbert. You think I haven't the nerve for this, that I won't do it? Oh, Herbert. Ella. Do you really think that I won't do this, that I won't kill you? Yes, yes, I believe you will. If you had left Mary and Frank alone, I might never have... But you're not going to hurt them, Herbert. You're not going to hurt them. They're young and they're in love and they're going to be married. This is the first time I've ever stood up to you, isn't it? You don't know what to make of it, do you? You're beginning to look alarmed. Are you afraid? You mean it. You really mean it? Yes. But it's murder. It's murder, Ellen. Exactly. Ellen Prentiss, murder. I know. But nobody else will. Dr. Southford will call it death due to a heart condition. Only I will know that it was an air embolism brought on because I pumped you full of air from a hypodermic syringe. Ellen, you can't do this. Yes, yes, I can, Herbert. And you know it. You know I can. I haven't always been kind, perhaps. Kind? Herbert, you've never been kind to me, never. It's funny to see you frightened. I can see it in your face. How do you like being afraid of me for a change, Herbert? I've always been afraid of you. But I'm not anymore. No, you're afraid of me. I'm a cripple, Ella. I can't move off this couch. You're afraid. Yes, yes, I am. I'm, I'm not ready to die, Ella. I... <clears throat> Think of the Bible, Ella. What? Thou shalt not kill, it says. You've gone to church so much, you should know. God will punish you, Ella. Yes, I know. Give me another chance, Ella. <laughs> I'll promise anything, anything. I can't trust you, Herbert. Give me the Bible. Why? Please hand me the Bible, Ella. Why do you want? Ella, please. No. Ella, you've got to give me a chance to, to make it up to you. I, I know I've been cruel to you and... An, and I'm sorry. Really, I am. 
Give me another chance, please, Ella. At least you can hand me the Bible. It's on the table beside you, please. All right, Kid. Thanks. See, Ella? My hands are the Bible. Ella, I... Ella, in the name of Almighty God, in the name of Almighty God and, and every sacred word written in this holy book, I swear and I promise that I will never again be cruel to... To anybody. I swear it. Look, Ella, I'll hold the Bible in both hands and kiss it. I swear in the name of God, in the name of every holy person in this holy book, that I will allow Frank Williams to marry my daughter. Help him to marry my daughter. Help him to marry my daughter. And that I will leave them alone. And that I will leave them alone. And dear God in heaven, if I break this sacred oath, may I be struck dead in my bed. Mm. Amen. Ella, you've got to believe me. Not even you could break a promise like that. Yes, Herbert, I believe you. Then you won't do uh... No. No, I won't kill you. Oh. You won't be sorry, Ella. I believe you, Herbert. I can't imagine anyone breaking a promise like that. Trust me, Ella. Please trust me. Good night, Herbert. You'll sleep for a long time on account of the drug. I'll see see you in the morning, huh? All right. Oh, Ella. Yes. Would you put the extension receiver back on the hook, please? All right, Herbert. Oh. I think she fell for it. <coughs> She did. She did. She fell for it. Oh, Ella. Oh, that promise, Guff. She fell for it. So no one could break a promise like that, huh? Ella, my girl, it'll be broken as soon as Morris answers this telephone. He'll come over here and between us we'll put you away for good. Hello. Hi. Uh. Oh, my heart. I didn't mean it. God, I didn't mean it. Please, no. No. Hello? Hello? And if I break this promise, may I be struck dead in my bed. just heard The Promise, Attraction 14 on Radio City Playhouse, as written and directed by Harry W. Junkin. Charlotte Holland was heard as Ella Prentice, Joe DeSantis as her husband, Herbert. Other players included Sylvia Davis and Eugene Francis. The music was composed and conducted by Dr. Roy Shield. Radio City Playhouse is supervised for the National Broadcasting Company by Richard P. McDonough.
This is Harry Junkin again. Next week on Radio City Playhouse, one of John Galsworthy's finest stories entitled The First and the Last. It is the story of two brothers bound together by blood but widely separated by inclination. It's an exciting story. We're sure you'll enjoy it, so please be with us. Good night, everybody. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.